Hello and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Heroku in the Wild series. Hello, welcome to Codish. My name is uh, Julian Duque. I'm a developer advocate here at Heroku. And today we have a very special episode, one that is very interesting to me. If you know me, you know that I'm very involved in the community and community is pretty much what I breathe. And today we are going to be talking with the people at Dev Community. So with me, we have Ben Halper. He is the co-founder and CEO of Dev. And Jess Les, uh, she is the co-founder and COO of Dev. Hello, Ben and Jess. How are you doing? Hi, Julian. Thanks for having us. Yeah, doing great. Okay, we are very happy to have you here. And we want to know more about uh, the Dev community and what you are doing. So before starting to talk about this amazing project. Uh, please, if you want, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your background and what brought you to this uh, project. I'm Ben. I'm a software developer by trade. I'm, I am a, a semi-self-taught developer. I did a little bit of computer science along the way, but then sort of discovered the craft uh, for good a little bit later in life. And this project kind of got underway uh first step back in i think 2015 um and in some capacity has been evolving ever since then um what about yes uh, tell us uh, about you i actually didn't start coding until about four and a half years ago i am a career transitioner and ended up going to a boot camp where i learned how to code and then very serendipitously met ben through a friend and we had a lot of sort of common um, struggles with the existing developer community and um, just bonded over what we were looking for just, you know, just in, in what we thought would be um, a much more productive and healthy community. And that's what, what we set out to build together. So for the people out there that doesn't know about the dev community, what is it? How can you describe it? So we all understand and start uh, participating in it. Yeah, so Dev is a community for programmers of all experience levels to just learn and support each other. It's a place where you can publish articles and uh, get lots of feedback and just meet and connect with other developers. Yeah, and it's really built around this notion of blog posts as a means to communicate in the software industry that's been around since since the beginning of time as far as software has gone. And we really tried to take the way developers do communicate, need to communicate, share ideas, and, and try to make it uh, a little bit more accessible and a little bit more friendly. It's not like we're doing anything that the community doesn't rally and figure out how to do on its own, but we hope to bring uh, a little bit of um, thoughtfulness and, and oversight to the whole thing uh, so that it's not, you know, every developer for themselves. Yeah, because usually when you go to uh, sites to consume content, it's just a blog post and it ends in there. Maybe it gives you the option to like and share that blog post, but doesn't give you too much interaction. So what's different in dev community that it's 
basically building up this huge community of developers all around the world? Yeah, we try to keep the conversation going, um, allow people to make sort of deeper connections, follow one another, get involved. A lot of the sort of expectations you might find from, you know, social media across the web in general. Um, it's not like developers aren't already doing this on Twitter and sort of across the web. Um, but we felt like, you know, there's this need to bring some of this in a way that's specifically moderated for the people involved, has community dynamics. We have a centralized code of conduct. Um, we really try to sort of like, you know, look out for the conversation and move it in the right direction. And, and we don't do that in a heavy handed way. We let people have conversations in whatever uh, capacity they want, but but we really, you know, are, are mission oriented and we try to keep the conversation going um, effectively and constructively. You know, a lot of people describe us as a social network for software developers. Um, and like Ben mentioned, we we really take moderation seriously. That was like, you know, the first few features that we built out, even when we had very little members, we um, just wanted it to be a constructive place. And that was top of mind. And we don't, you might not see this like through the site, but, you know, we've had a lot of just internal discussions about how community comes together for developers and oftentimes that's at conferences so in a way dev is almost like an extension of like a very big conference where people are sharing information and they're connecting but they're doing it in a supportive way where they can really get to know one another there is a motivation behind uh, dev but you plan dev as a company at the beginning you wanted to create a company or either started like as a as a side project or what was the beginning like the spark that started the project before um even i'd met jess and it really was just a bit of a side project um it was never not possibly going to be a company if things worked out um i think the notion of you know, side projects as a software developer um, are that, you know, maybe you take on this um, this project, maybe you can kind of like get some people to sign up, create some different membership options, maybe get some sponsors, like uh, help the thing support itself, you know, maybe make a few bucks on the side um, and, you know, in the social media space and all that. So like, it was always like, oh yeah, maybe if this takes off, it can like, I can, it can be like a, uh, a way to make money and devote more time to the whole thing. But the way like any side business is maybe just a, a side project. It's like uh, there's the time when it feels like, oh yeah, maybe this is making me a few bucks on the side. And then, oh yeah, maybe this is actually taking off and it's it's going to be a full-time thing. And I think once Jess and I were both working on it, um, it became really excited to have the option to actually just have this be our sole professional focus and i know like as soon as that kind of started becoming a possibility it was really exciting yeah we definitely got to where we are today by taking lots of lots of baby steps you know on on day one i i, I wouldn't be able to tell you that you know we'd be growing this into the company that it is today um but it's just been a lot of fun um it was a side project probably for for me at least for about seven months before we decided to pursue it uh, full-time. And that was just because we're seeing this momentum and realizing that there was really a need for this space. So you had this side project that started to get traction. And then you noticed that there were like maybe missing uh, features. Like, for example, you mentioned the moderation or how to tackle moderation. Tell us a, a little bit about this uh, 
technical challenge, how you were prioritizing the features you were developing uh, while the community was growing? Yeah, well, we always really tried and continue to try to tackle the problem at hand and, and not you know, build the ultimate long-term solution uh, right from the beginning. And a lot of that, like knowing that we were really community first, we really didn't want to do ever do anything that like allowed our growth to outpace our community ethos, our, our code of conduct, uh, and, and really have this happen, you know, in a in a measured, deliberate way. And I think allowing us to lean into the features that mattered most at the time to the community at whatever size it was allowed us to sort of really develop uh, a strong underpinning for like, for not only um, letting the community grow to the size it is now uh, with a few hundred thousand registered users and millions of, uh, of visitors who, who come to consume the content, but to do that in a way that allowed the system to learn how to work, you know, the way it should work. And uh, being a side project for, for so long before it turned into a business, uh, for real, uh, really helped ease the pressure of having to grow, grow, grow. There's a lot of confidence that, like, if we if we were very thoughtful at the beginning, um, we could take uh, some of those next steps like at the right pace. And then once it came time to like focus on this as a a full time job, we sort of had a lot of good principles laid out and a lot of good groundwork. Nice. And tell me about the technology behind. So what do you use or what type of technologies are involved? I, I want to know, like, from mm -hmm. the side project, like the beginning, and how it was uh, evolving to what it is today. It's kind of like a division of um, what we sort of think about and execute on, and, and um, we try to keep things simple, you know, uh, Ruby on Rails, some JavaScript sprinkled in here and there. Which is probably like you know as as simple as you can imagine, and a lot of the founding ideas were you know this was a side project. We kind of wanted to to focus more on the ultimate use case than like try to you know do anything technically interesting from the ground up. From our perspective, if it was boring technically, that's really a great thing. But we stumbled into some really good technical ideas along the way, um, and you know a lot of that is uh, this kind of. Uh, side project situation where because you have time and nobody asking for results, you get to kind of entertain your interests. And uh, one of those was um, was an architecture that really revolves around uh, caching at the edge. So like working with our CDN uh, Fastly to deliver content from, you know, close to the end user as possible, which was sort of an exercise in just what's the best performance we can get from for everyone all over the world, thinking that if inclusion is a big part of why we're doing this, let's make it inclusive from a networking perspective. Like let's deliver content from where, from as close to as possible to where you are. So if you're based in Tokyo, you're getting about the same response times as if you're based in New York. That was just this notion that like from a user experience perspective, uh, performance is such a big thing. And, and if we're, designing something for just, you know, reading and, and some pretty simple use cases in a lot of ways. Um, let's not put off making it fast and accessible all over the place. What's that's actually turned out to also be a very scalable infrastructure when we're caching so much 
and delivering it as plain HTML, it, you can like do a lot of requests without a lot of um, pain on the origin servers. So, and honestly, like that wasn't really why we took the approach we did, but it's evolved and it's become pretty, a pretty interesting approach. And since we're open source, anyone can kind of check out exactly how and why we do it. And not like we have the world's cleanest code or code is, has make, we make the same trade-offs everybody else does and just trying to deliver the product in the end. But, um, but we've, you know, grown and made a lot of fun, interesting choices along the way. How did he know that it was an open source project so people can contribute to it? Yeah, we have, um, I think over close to 500 people have contributed to the code base. Really what we mean by, you know, prioritizing community, people are able to engage on the platform, but also um, just support and help build and build out the features that, that they're looking for. Um, and our just entire code base has been a lot stronger by having many eyes on it. And it's been a great way to get to know the community. We were not open source from day one, really. Like, if you weren't in the know that we were an open source project, that kind of speaks to the importance of the product and the community and the purpose of it from that perspective. And open source came about when we realized the more we really involved the community and the more we focused on transparency and the more we leaned into some of these values that we were adopting along the way as wanting to do things the right way, open source just became obvious. So we got to the point where 99.9% of the code we write is open source. We have a handful of, you know, closed source utilities here and there when needed, but um, we've been working on a future where um, other communities, whether in niches within software development, but also in um, baking or sports or just, you know, local communities, we would love to see a, uh, a reality where other folks are using the software we've sort of stressed over for so many years to try to get right in terms of moderation, in terms of ethos and things like that. And open source just ties right into that. And we're so excited about the progress we're making there. So how many users does a uh, dev community has and how the concurrency looks like on a regular day? And especially now during this uh, situation we are living globally that people it's investing more time like consuming content. So how, how that concurrency looks like, I'm curious about it. You know, we serve close to 6 million unique users a month and we have about 350,000 registered users. But Ben, you can talk about concurrency. Yeah, well, we sort of uh, spoke to this earlier, um, but our highest traffic endpoints do not typically get recomputed. Um, we really try to serve that same HTML to as many people as possible. So that's kind of like the secret sauce in terms of our scalability. And as an open source project, what we hope to kind of deliver to, to more and more use cases um, as our software gets, uh, gets spun up and used by more and more folks. As mentioned, like we sort of were thinking more user experience early on when we, when we wanted to serve things from the edge. Like, so our requests get cached on an edge server. So if you're requesting for New York, you go to a node in New York. So like if you open up your dev tools in your browser, you can see that if you're based in New York, you're going to get um, a server called LGA for LaGuardia Airport. You know, that's just like where the like local <laughs> server is. And it's just cache HTML. It goes there and comes back. It doesn't even leave the city. And we make a lot of additional asynchronous requests to the backend. So there's a certain, you know, concurrent level that we build things up. 
Uh, we run Puma on Heroku um, as a server, and we, you know, fork our instances. We use, we use PG Bouncer to help uh, manage our database pooling. But ultimately, we have a system that, you know, knock on wood, is is fairly well designed um, to like scale a lot more easily than you'd think. Um, I just realized something so silly when you were talking about how um, a lot of requests end up being asynchronous. I just remember like one of our principles is commit to async, but in a totally different context. You know, it's about um, how we do distributed work, but uh, it'd be funny to think about it through through uh, the technical side of things. Yeah, I mean, I, I think our, our tech and our um, and our sort of workflow philosophies uh, do line up pretty well, and I think like engineering organizations like ours um, do a better job of thinking in asynchronous terms if they also you know have that as a notion for their for their software lives. You know, um, there's the Conway's law that your sort of technical architecture is going to reflect your human architecture and vice versa. And I think um, it absolutely is, is true for how we operate. You know, also right down to like how we operate as a team in terms of having empathy for one another, trying to create community within our organization. Like it, it's all just one big mashup. And now we are all embracing async with this uh, mandatory uh, work from home order that it's all around the world. So it's good, good in the context. How does the operation of the platform looks like? It seems that you are like getting a bunch of users, a lot of traffic, and seems complex to operate a platform like this. It is pretty complicated. I think like organizationally, I think because we have a pretty complicated product in that communities and humans are so complicated. And on a day-to-day -day basis, we just have like a lot of different little things that come up. We have like, you know, no one dedicated way people come across our platform you know they sort of come from everywhere like they have all sorts of different use cases people do different things in different ways but you know from a technical operations perspective we try to keep things pretty simple um, a lot of that goes back to like we want to focus on the human problems a little bit more than the technical problems and we do the technical things we need to do along the way and, you know, of course, choosing Heroku like early on was a it was a big part of that in terms of trying to offload uh, some of the complication to the platform and, and simplify things. So there's no shortage of complexity in running a company like this where there's so much human complexity, technical complexity. You know, our team is located all over the world. We made the decision early on that we didn't want to co-locate. But, you know, it's kind of like, it balances out. We try to sort of operate on principles instead of, you know, rigid rules. And we let those principles guide us as we grow. And the technical challenge is easy, but what about the human? We we grew our team quite a bit um, a couple months ago, and it has changed our organization completely, you know, just in terms of how we get work done. Not to get too specific, but, you know, we, we used to, everyone was sort of, be on top of the GitHub issues that came in and we would work on like areas we felt were, were the bigger priorities, but um, we've had to find a new way of articulating that to close to 30 people on the team. Um, before that we were, you know, under 10 people. And so thinking about how to grow the, the company has, has been quite the journey and 
One of our values is that we constantly evolve. We think about that just even with our like internal tooling. So for example, um, we have one person who is our community support manager. Um, and it's been that same one person for close to two years now, but obviously we've grown our user base dra- drastically and we've, you know, are serving so many more people. Um, but you know, we are still moderating at the same level that we were many months ago. And we're able to do that because, you know, Michael, even though he's not an engineer, he he thinks about ways through the lens of like a product. And so he was able to like identify like, you know, different tools that we need internally to help us um, continue to uh, be successful in the moderation area. And we've also grown a moderation team. So we have a bunch of volunteers from the community who also help moderate the platform. And so we're always thinking about um, just ways we can make our lives a little bit easier and how to just build on the solutions that we do have. What are our pain points? If anyone is repeating any work, like how can we pull that out and uh, simplify things? It's a moderation, the only like human challenge that you have with the platform or there are others that maybe are not uh, visible to to the users, like also education, like changing culture, teaching them, because you can have like a code of conduct and ban people. But the, the way we sort of view moderation it also just like falls into the community health. So it's not just about banning people, um, but it's about really exuding like just what our value is. Like usually we don't typically just like ban somebody unless they're, you know, doing like outright spam or something that really, really crosses the line. But we we really try to even engage with people because oftentimes intentions are not bad. And we've tried really hard to, you know, go back to that idea that you're like at a conference and it's like a person talking to you. And so, you know, we have a we have a mascot, Sloan, um, and she's sort of our like moderator who uh, explains like you know like why something might be like hurtful to another person. We really just try to explain it so people know where we're coming from. And a lot of times people will be like, oh, you know what? Like I was maybe being a little aggressive and I wasn't considering this other point of view. So for moderation, it's not just like downvoting and and banishing people from the platform, but we really just try to facilitate more of a conversation there. One of the things I have seen, even though in a, a well, especially in online communities. And I tell it from my experience. I'm not an English-speaking uh, mm-hmm. native uh, person. It's English is my second language. And there's a lot of people out there that it's in, interacting in an online community that sometimes things or context change in translation. And what they say maybe is not bad, but the translation or the context comes up bad. So what you say, I think it's like a great solution to be able to have a way to correct and make things clear instead of just kicking out the people off. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much nuance uh, when it just comes to human interaction. And so, you know, in general, we believe the best in people and we really try to take different cultures into account. Um, We're learning these things every single day. Me, Ben and Peter are all from North America. And so we, ha- we we come in with our own set of cultures and, and we're just uh, learning and being open. We hope that the community feels the same way. Yeah. And the way we have to think about it, you know, is somewhat kind of like as a system at scale. Um, but we can't lose track of like the kind of principles of empathy and 
and, and really being empathetic uh, towards, you know, the fact that everyone's coming at this from a different perspective, different personal cultures, different personal values, and, and really creating uh, a piece of software that is flexible enough to account for that and lets the humans take over when there is a lot of nuance and, and understand that we need to, you know, let help the humans do their job through good technology, but not let the technology like do too much of the work because, uh, you know, we need the people um, stepping in uh, at the right times. And having this, you know, sense of appreciating the nuance, I think has, has been um, somewhat of a separating factor, you know, compared to maybe like some traditional sort of, software ecosystem companies that maybe like i think maybe have seen things a little bit more black and white than we've tried to do and there is more sense of belonging when the platform is more human when you have like the more human interaction interaction absolutely so it seems it has been like quite quite the experience quite the journey for you all so it is worth it how has been <laughs> this whole experience so far I mean, it's been like a dream come true in many ways, but um, uh, I think one of the most exciting parts in building um, in building dev that I, I personally didn't really uh, think think about initially, because um, you know I was just excited about you know having dev become a household name for developers and having it be this resource that is part of your career. But in order to accomplish all of this, um, just the company building aspect has been. Uh, probably the most exciting parts. Like I spend most of my time now, like thinking about um, just our internal processes, like about our team happiness. Um, ben was talking about how performance is an accessibility concern and we want to serve a global community. And so like, you know, we've built a team that's globally distributed and um, just thinking through our company culture, like all that um, has actually brought me probably the greatest joy joys and in, in building out dev. Um, and that's definitely not what I thought initially when it came to building out this community. I think for me, um, the individual like high impact moments that have, have sprung up when you give people a platform and a voice are pretty, pretty remarkable. Like you can kind of imagine that like, yeah, sure. If you have like a lot of people congregating, you know, certain special interactions can happen. And, um, and we try to like, empower more good things than bad things. And uh, some of the good things have just been so cool to see, um, like people just making connections, finding jobs, like launching software projects on the site that wind up being huge. So like we can trace some like five digit star GitHub projects that really got their legs on dev because we provide a, a space for people to kind of like come together and kind of um, congeal on things that that really maybe exists on Twitter if you catch enough lightning if you know like with an idea but you don't really get into that you don't really get to explore that nuance and um, maybe hacker news is a space to launch things a little bit but we really feel like the the community elements when people come actually come together on on our site uh, really deliver sort of this extra special uh, situation and regardless of growth and metrics and like anything that you can kind of like see as a graph, I think it's the individual little moments where like we can kind of directly see like one thing leading to another, like all at once it is pretty, 
is pretty cool. And just hearing people that got jobs through the site one way or another, either they mm -hmm. explicitly, you know, that we have a place where people can post jobs if they want to. And that's like certainly a component of it, but otherwise it's just people kind of making natural connections, finding their voice, demonstrating who they are. Of course, we found a lot of the folks within our team who are either just posting on the site and we got to know them and they eventually sort of like really um, gelled with us or or contributing to the community through our open source and they eventually became full-time team members. Um, all those little anecdotes are just so, so darn cool. Yeah, I think a, a, a magical moment for me is seeing this unfold in real life. So I was at Codeland conference last year and I was in the elevator and I saw this interaction between two people. They were like kind of looking at each other and they're like, hey, and then they realized that they knew each other, but they knew each other through dev. And they were like, oh, like, are you this person, you know, on dev? And and that was just so cool for me to like be in the room and see that, see those connections being made in person. And yeah, and to what Ben was saying, many people from our team are people that we first got to know uh, either through the platform or through um, the open source community. And if anyone's listening and considering open sourcing their their code, like that's a really great way to find the future team members. What about the future of dev? How does it look like? Well, if you go to dev.to slash future, we have a post which sort of is our current state of the future. And we really feel like it's important to keep people looped in uh, because, you know, we're a community platform, but also a community business. And if we're going to be serving the community, we want everyone to know that like, this is the plans, this is the future, this is what's going on. And for us, our core thing we think about most days in terms of the future is the future of our open source project so that we can evolve our business in a way where most of our business work is supporting our open source project through hosting services, etc., and really evolving what we do as you know software service providers so that as our company grows we don't have to you know max out our like current you know sponsorship driven model and things like that that which which helps us sort of get from one point to another but is not necessarily what we want to scale up and make our sort of big picture business model um so we are going really hard on our open source stuff and we have a lot of really cool stuff coming down the pipeline yeah, so our company mission is to empower community and, you know, it's not to specifically empower the developer community, even though that's what we've been working on. And so, like what Ben said, focusing on our open source so that people are empowered to build their own communities in the future, whether or not they're technical. Yeah, so future looks like any person being able to click a button, stand up their own social network and have access to their own data and just have that transparency because they're powering it through that open code. So I, I had the opportunity to write a blog post, uh, I think a, a year ago at Dev2 and the experience was uh, amazing. I love it. The way you not only author, but the way you interact with the people, it's very nice. I wanna keep uh, creating more content there I think especially for my uh, Spanish-speaking community, which is the one I mostly target. But thank you for what you do, because it has been a great place for us developers to, to contribute and to share and collaborate. Any final words for our audience today? 
I will say that you should check out some of the work we're doing in terms of our own podcasts. If you're listening, you're probably a listener to developer-oriented podcasts. And not too long ago, we joined forces with Code Newbie. So they're part of our organization, if you've heard of Code Newbie, and they have a really brilliant podcast. And we are working to expand what we do in podcasts. So we have uh, a couple new podcasts coming up. And uh, if you're going to be spending time on dev, um, you, you know, we'll probably see when we launch that and stuff. So we don't really need to get into like, where to find that right away. It's still sort of a work in progress. But keep an eye out for what we're doing with our podcasts. I think they're going to be really awesome. So Dev is actually running a conference this summer called Codeland. It's actually the fourth year of the conference and it was run by Code Newbie, but they have since joined our family. And so we're co-organizing with them. It's virtual, so you can tune in from anywhere and it'll just be full of inspiring talks and hands-on workshops for anyone looking to level up in their career. And to finalize, I want to thank you, Ben and Jess, for joining us today on this Codish episode. Again, thank you very much for what you do and for this project and for enabling this beautiful uh, developer community all around the world. And looking forward to have you back here on our future uh, episode. Thanks so much for having us. It was great chatting with you. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.